This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. And this is Jesse. Hello, Jesse. I'm good, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How's uh, Mr. Olympics doing? Mr. Olympics? Mr. Olympics. Uh, that's like Mr. Olympia. Which events are you going to participate in? I'm totally buff now. Well, I knew that, but, Uh, um, have you been training for the, uh, uh, downhill slalom? I, I, I was going to do the skeleton, but I didn't want to get hurt. (laughs) That's a really scary one. Well, be careful out there. I guess, uh, is it busy around where you're at? People everywhere? Um, I would guess so, but I'm sort of out of the loop. Ah. Right. I'm sort of out of the loop. Out of the loop. I'm getting. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm not really involved in any of the activities, but I'm sure I'll be skiing on the hills after everybody else is gone. <laughs> Very cool. Stay away from that luge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. skeleton is is a kind of form of luge, except uh, instead of going down backwards, you go down forwards. Ah. <laughs> With head first. Wow. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing an old uh, Jerry Seinfeld routine where he was talking about the luge being the only event you could win involuntarily. <laughs> yeah. Just so the involuntary off. luge event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I got one arrival. Okay, what, what um, arrival? From Furl Fullcast Audio. Eyes Like Stars by Lisa Manchev. I hope I pronounced her last name right. Manchev. We met her at, when we went to Worldcon in 2006. Oh, really? Yeah, she was at one of those, uh, well, the party that was put on by Evo and Steve Ely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, very cool. Let me read you an explanation here. It's for ages 13 and up. 13 to adult, it says. The Theater Illuminata is home to every play ever written, and to Beatrice Shakespeare Smith, Bertie for short, who was left on its doorstep as an infant. Now she lives on its stage and consorts with spirits, pirates, kings, and, well, in short, every character ever destroyed the boards. Constantly accompanied, whether she wants to be or not, by four cake-obsessed fairies, Bertie can't seem to stay out of trouble. It's gotten so bad that management is ready to throw her out unless she can, against all odds, prove her worth to the theater. With its willful and engaging heroine, dazzling concept, and a host of Shakespearean characters, Lisa Manchev's debut novel is effortless. Oops, sorry, skipped a line. Lisa Manchev's debut novel is itself like a great piece of theater, shifting effortlessly from hilarity to romance to loss to redemption. It is bound to delight anyone who has ever dreamed of the stage. I'm just looking at the cover. It's uh, yeah. it's quite nice. Um, mm-hmm. So is it uh, inspired by A Midsummer's Night's Dream? Is that the idea? I I don't know. I haven't read it. Um, but I know that it's enchanting because my daughter, as soon as she saw it, put it in and she's, um, enchanted. (laughs) She is enchanted. She'll be 10 this year and, uh, she can't wait to get back to it. You know, she's going to get a a nice review up for us. I hope. (laughs) Yeah, you bet. I want to see a 10 year old review, a 10 year old review of eyes like stars. Yeah. Yeah. But she's loving it. And good. uh, But I I hope she's taking notes. Copious notes. That's right. Eight CDs. Okay. Eight CDs. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and it just barely came out, so that's neat. Yeah, it says it's available for pre-order on the website, so I guess okay. we've got a pre-advanced screening. Yeah, you bet. Or listening copy. 
for certain. Yep. Full cast, like, you know, all their stuff, and, you know, it lists, you know, there's a whole bunch of uh, um, characters listed here. Beatrice, Shakespeare, Smith, Ophelia, Ariel, Nate, Peace Blossom, Moth, Mustard Seed, Cobweb, a theater manager, stage manager, Mrs. Edith, Mrs. Mr. Hastings, Mr. Tibbs, and Sedna. Yeah, well, it sounds like a bunch of theater people. You bet. That's cool. And speaking of theater people... Mm-hmm. And we had auditions this week for uh, the play at the local community playhouse. We're doing Pride and Prejudice in May, <clears throat> so we're getting started. We need to start a little earlier than usual because of the dresses and stuff. Oh, the costumes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm sure that's what you know. Most of the people are, you know, in it for is for the costumes. <laughs> you bet. It's yeah. like they they get their fan out and they start fanning their bodice or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> Anyway, it was a good it was a good turnout, and I think we've got a really good cast. So I'm excited. I'm the director of this one. Okay. So you bet. I, I, in May in Idaho. Okay. Pride and Prejudice. Dun dun dun. We need to make no a tra- I think we should make a trailer. <laughs> yeah, you could do it. <laughs> somebody, you should, somebody there though. One of the ladies that showed up to uh, try out. Um, she was pretty hilarious. She said, um, we should do Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, of course. It was funny. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So that book's gotten around. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a great meme idea. It really is. Um, I, I, have you read or heard any of it? You know, I'd, uh, no, I'd not yet. I just like to not read a chapter I've, or two I've, just to I've, find out what it's like. I've got, um, I've got my hands on paper book copies of it, and uh, they, there are pictures. That's, that's no the kidding. next bonus oh, thing, wow. yeah. <laughs> So do you know? I mean, are they zombie? Are they zombie fighters? The the main characters. <laughs> I think everyone's the whole book yeah, is they... in the book, right? That's what I I read once. Um, I think I think it's not. Uh, it's it's the complete story, but with some scenes reworked into. Uh, so it you know it'll have regular writing, and then it switches to uh. to uh, the additional material. Oh, gotcha. Same characters and additional zombies. Um, I, I noticed that there's two new releases coming from Hachette Audio uh, that are of interest. Cool. Um, one One's called uh, Black Hills by Dan Simmons, mm-hmm. which is um, a uh, – it's a long one. It's 18 CDs, but it's a um, reworking of uh, General George Armstrong Custer's Last Battle uh, oh. uh, as a ghost story. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. It says, when Papa Sapa, a young Sioux warrior, counts coup on General George Armstrong Custer, as Custer lies dying on the battlefield at Little Bighorn, the legendary general's ghost enters him, and his voice will speak to him for the rest of his event-filled life. Seamlessly weaving together the stories of Papa Sapa, or Paha Sapa, Custer and the American West, Dan Simmons depicts a tumultuous time in the history of both Native and white Americans. Haunted by Custer's ghost and also his ability to see into the memories and futures of legendary men like the Sioux warrior chief Crazy Horse, Paha Sapa's long life is driven by a dramatic vision he experienced as a boy in his people's sacred Black Hills. In August 1936, a dynamite worker on a massive Mount Rushmore project, Paha Sapa plans to silence his ghost forever and reclaim his people's legacy on the very day FDR comes to Mount Rushmore to dedicate the Jefferson face. Wow. So it's oh, it sounds cool. it sounds like he's you know he's really mining the history um, mm-hmm. with his last few books, hey? Yeah, yeah. Drood was one of his last few, right? 
Yep. Didn't have to do with uh, Charles Dickens's life and the last book that he wrote, which was yep. Ed, Edwin Drood. Right, the unfinished, famous unfinished yeah. book. Yeah, kind of have a cool, well, cool to me anyway. One of my first ever historical, really cool things that have ha- happened to me was uh, my dad and I visited Little Bighorn, mm-hmm. and uh, we took a tour of out there and. And the way that it's set up out there, you can really see what happened. And uh, it was the first time that I recall uh, thinking, wow, you know, this really happened, and I'm standing right here where it happened. You know, that's the first time I've ever experienced that feeling. That's the fun part. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I want to read that. I'm sure glad you weren't there at the actual At the time, right. (laughs) At the time. Wouldn't it be cool? No, (laughs) it wouldn't be cool. That's right. Um, so, so this is, yeah, I think this is sort of in the tradition of the terror, which I guess is also uh, oh, historical right. mm-hmm. um, by Dan Simmons. So I, I think that's a, a good direction to be taking uh, taking his stuff. I, I, I would think it would be fruitful. Yeah. yeah. I always think history is a good thing. Yeah, I still need to, uh, one of the next ones I need to listen to is The Fall of Hyperion. Right. Also by Dan Simmons. Um, gotta, I may actually listen to Hyperion once again. I loved it so much. Um, that's oh, that's a thread on uh, our Yahoo group uh, right now. Somebody was asking about oh yeah about listening to stuff again. Right? Do you re-listen? And and I said no, not really, not anymore. Not that yeah. there's so many audiobooks out there, but there are there are certainly ones worth re-listening to. But it, it used to be I would re- listen to you know I only have maybe forty audiobooks in my collection. I'll listen to all of them mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. Uh, over and over again uh, just because that's all that, that existed. And now it's uh, it's so prolific. the The amount that's produced is so yeah, so many that it's very easy never to have to listen to whatever. Right. Yeah, on as far as audiobooks go, I don't re-listen to many. Um, one of my favorites is Ender's Game, and that one does come up every now and then, um, where I'll pop that in and listen to it. I just think it's just great. And then, um, but most of the things that I re-listen to on audio or audio drama. Like mm-hmm. I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've listened to um, Matt Watts's stuff, Canadia, both this, both series one and two, and um, uh, oh gosh, why am I drawing a blank? The one in the, the apocalypse, post apocalypse, post hoc apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is that one called? Steve. Steve uh, the first. Steve the first. Steve, Steve the first and Steve the second. Uh, those are absolutely. If, uh, can't recommend I do them believe they're enough. on iTunes now. Oh, um, good. I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure they're they're there, but uh, I can yeah. check that. If they are, I can't recommend them highly enough. But I yeah, I, they're in the iTunes store. Every now and then, I just have to hear me some oh, Steve. But you so. just do a search and they'll pop up. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, they are not available on Audible, but they are available on iTunes. So oh, that's good. That's good. It's do a search in the music store. I think mm-hmm. is actually where to find them. And, yeah, but but like I said, a lot of times that's what I'll re-listen to. Not so much the novels. Um, but, you know, out of all of the stuff that comes through here, you know, I keep very few things that, you know, I think, hey, someday I may want to re-listen to this thing. Right. You know, and uh, The Prestige is the, another one. That's I really want right. to hear that. I still haven't yeah. heard that. I've so, seen the movie, of course. Yeah. And, you know, I want to re-listen to that one. That one worked so well as an audiobook, partly because um, it was uh, journal writing, so everything was kind of in the first person. But, mm-hmm. you know, the first person actually shifts who's being the first person. And then um, when you're listening to it, every now and then the narrator would say something that really made no sense. But what it was was a clue um, to like how he revert, referred to himself. Well, there's a person that is speaking. 
or right. how we referred to another character, you're thinking, well, that doesn't seem right. But, you know, as you're listening, you're like, did he really say that? You know, and, and what it is, it's all clues. Right. Um, anyway, it was a really excellent audiobook. So, um, I've got one more that actually I forgot about because it came in in not the usual way. Um, oh, what's that? Remember we talked last time about The Futurist by James P. Othmer? Right. Yeah, it came in. Um, uh, this was uh, my free audiobook from uh, Tantor. Um, for, for, for doing the... Doing the survey on their site. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, is it, how many CDs is it? It is eight CDs. Okay. Um, read by William DeFries, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, a corrosively funny novel that perfectly captures the character of our post-9-11 world. Um, Yates is a futurist, which is to say he makes a very good living flying around the world dispensing pre- premonitory wisdom, a.k.a. prepackaged bullshit, to world <laughs> governments, corporations, and global leadership conferences. A spectacular career-ending speech at the Future World Conference leads to a hazy mission to answer the question, why does everyone hate us? But just as the American empire is beginning to fray around the edges, so too is Yates' carefully scripted existence. Thus begins an absolutely original novel that is fueled by equal parts subversive satire, genuine physical fear, and heartfelt moral anguish. The Futurist manages to be wildly entertaining and deadly serious at the same time. So that's a, a recent arrival. I, I think you've uh-huh. got another one uh, from Goodreads. Oh, no, not Goodreads, from oh, Paperback Swap? Paperback Swap, yeah. I got um, The Turn of the Screw by Henry James from there, and I don't have that. You don't have it handy? I don't have it handy. Um, okay. So I couldn't, can't remember. It's a Blackstone audiobook. Um, got it on Paperback Swap. Um, four CDs long, The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. And what kind of popped out about me, or popped out to me about that? is we've talked a lot about H.G. Wells in the past couple of weeks, you know, because we talked about The Invisible Man, and you and uh, Luke Burridge did the same. Um, right. But Henry James was a contemporary of H.G. Wells, and I know that they had a back and forth about um, what fiction really was. and, and mm-hmm. how to Or what it. it was going to be, yeah. And what it was going to be, right. So, um, anyway, that piqued my interest, and hopefully you and I will both give that a listen and talk about it next time. Yeah, I'd like to get um, Julian on it as well. Did she uh, respond to an email? Um, no, I, I never sent her one because she's um, gone on a retreat. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, maybe when she comes back, uh, we'll get her on. Because right now she's reading a, a ghost story, a ghost novel um, the, called The Uninvited on her, her podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that sort of fits right in with the same same sort of thing. I think she's going to like this if she hasn't read it already. Okay. Um, is, who's then? Is this a mixed narration? No, it was um, um, Catherine something. Several of them on on. Um, there's several different versions on Blackstone's website. Oh, is it really? they've got, um, yeah, they've got uh, Simon Vance and Vanessa Benjamin. Um, there's also another one here of just Pat Botino, um, but that comes with short stories, and that, it's obviously not Pat Botino because Pat Botino is a guy. Right. And I've already started listening to it, and I can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Stephanie Beecham. That could be it. Yep. Maybe that's it. Four CDs. Okay. Yep. All right. It's got a nice cover. I said Catherine something. So, so very close to Stephanie Beach. <laughs> so, yep. But Turn of the Screw. And it's a uh, ghost story. Um, yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but you were telling me earlier that it's been made into several movies. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
The, we'll yeah, and it's got that special kind of cover that they, they've done several classics with that cover. I mean, the, the similar cover, kind of a style of cover. And um, they're... Um, hey, look at that. It's available on Overstock for 10 bucks. Oh, really? Bucks. 10 bucks, yep. Nice. Four CDs, 10 bucks. That's a good deal. Yep. Is that what you have, the retail version? Yep. It's, I, I'm, yeah. I was going to say, I didn't know if they made a, a library version, but it looks like they, they do. They make, um, but they I'm make pretty sure that this series was kind of made for retail. It's um, they're all kind of matching. Um, uh, so it was turned into a movie called um, The Others. Ah. Uh, well, it was adapted into that, right? Which um, I haven't seen. Which you should see after you read the book. I think. Okay, we'll do. It's quite a good, quite a good movie. I think uh, mm-hmm. that's with um, uh, Nicole Kidman, and I think it might have been filmed in Spain for some reason. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I think. But um, there's also several movie versions of The Turn of the Screw. Um, over the years, there's been five or six others. The other one you were saying uh, you didn't really know, Henry James, what else he'd written. The other one he's famous for is one called The Portrait of a Lady. Okay. Um, uh, there's another one called The Wings of the Dove. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a few other ones with less uh, remem- memorable names. But um, he he is uh, he I think he is a big figure in in literature just because um, he was a big figure. It's not like everybody's reading him now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, I, you know, I think... Uh, I would say he's not as big as H.G. Wells. I think H.G. Wells won. But, it, it, you know, if it was a contest to who, whose fiction is more relevant, but I think there is certainly a substantial thread that he is, um, he is uh, responsible for. Which is mainstream literature, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Um, there's one other. There's one other um, new release that's coming. This is actually coming in March. I can find it here, um, and it's uh, from uh, Hachette Audio as well. I can bring it up. Um, it's uh, one of the James Patterns James Patterson series. You know okay, he writes police stuff. Um, does James Patterson write police stuff? No, no, it's thrillers, I think. Okay. Um, but the the one that he's got is called Fang. It's it's a part of his series called Maximum Ride, which is a very. It, it might not even be written by him. It might be just written under a, um, under a you know, a house name. He, you know, his name became a house name. Mm-hmm. Not one hundred percent sure about that, but it's a, it's it's just a short novel, five CDs long, um, and it's a. It's about vampires, I would assume. It says, Max and Flock are flying high over Africa, but this time they're not alone. A sky full of cargo planes accompanies the team as they bring much-needed aid to the continent's poverty-stricken regions. Among volunteers is, a missions, is the mission's benefactor, the mysterious billionaire, Dr. Hans Gunther Hagen. Max is intrigued by his generosity, but there's also something about him and his intense scrutiny of the flock that makes her nervous. Dr. Hans isn't the only puzzling thing about this trip. The flock also receives a cryptic message from a young girl who tells them, quote, the sky will fall, unquote. Max and the flock are ready to return home, still unable to make sense of her statement. But this surprise, the surprises don't end with their departure, and something unenviably momentous shakes up the flock, pushing Max and Fang closer together than ever. Will the team be able to stick together through the chaos? So this is part of a series of young adult um, books, uh, written by 
James Patterson. And I think, if I'm, my memory is serving, uh, this is a series that um, he's writing for his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'm not sure. I think I might... I'll just do a search here. James Patterson's um, Maximum Ride. It's the name of the series. All right, yeah. cool. There's also... Um, uh, Speaking of new new timely items, um, people are starting to get into Huff Duffer. Oh, um, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a, a website I visit often called Calf Killer, which I, I have no idea why it's called that. But Calf Killer Old Time Radio. Um, it's calfkilleroldtimeradio.blogspot.com. And they've just created a Huff Duffer feed for their website, and it includes some really cool stuff. So here's the article. It says, if you would like to create your own RSS feed and podcast from the shows of the Calf Killer Downloads Archive or any other online MP3 audio files for that matter, there is a free service called HuffDuffer. Create, create an account on HuffDuffer.com and then drag this link to the browser's bookmarks. HuffDuff it. The next mm-hmm. time you visit a page with an audio recording, press the bookmarklet to HuffDuff it. The B- MP3 files you HuffDuff will be put on your page, plus an RSS link and an, add an iTunes link button of the mp3 files so it's just explaining how it works right yeah, yeah. um and it says uh you can tag it you can do all sorts of cool things with it now what's cool is um whoever's curating uh the um the calf killer huff duffer feed which I'll, I'll put a link to in has added um some saturday night theater uh you you remember that from bbc it's a okay. bbc series from the from the 1940, mm, 1950s to the, the early 1990s, anyways. Um, uh, radio drama done um, in long form, usually. Mm-hmm. And um, w- the latest two things in the feed are a, uh, a 1962 Saturday Night Theater uh, recording of A Study in Scarlet, which is the first Sherlock Holmes novel. Mm-hmm. Um, great production. I was listening to it last night, and it's actually a three-part um, series, a half hour each long. But they've divided it into two files. So uh, the first file has uh, the first half hour and half of the second half hour, and then the second one is the the last half and a half, mm. <laughs> one and a half. Um, really good, good production on this, and very good uh, adaptation of the story. There's a bunch of other Saturday night theaters and. Uh, uh, the the link as well. So oh, good. Mm-hmm. It's got some Louis L'Amour and uh, other Twilight Zone sort of stuff, but um, I think this is probably the best place to start. Mickey Spillane, he says, as well. Great. Uh, so, yeah, calf, uh, calf Killer stuff is uh, is stuff I've, I've really spotted. You know, every now and again there's something good, but having it as a huff duffer, you can add it to your own. Uh, I don't know if you do this, but all you have to do to add something to your own feed on Huff Duffer is you see it and you say Huff Duff it. Once mm-hmm. it's already been Huff Duffed by someone else, you can add it to your own podcast, your own personal podcast feed. Mm-hmm. It makes it really convenient to have something added to your, your MP3 player. I mean, if, if, um, if more people knew about it and there was uh, you know, uh, uh, enough critical mass, it would actually replace a lot of the, um, the uh, just listing of MP3 files that people do. Because mm-hmm. it's it's a way of social networking the things you're listening to. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I, I used to do it. I still have an active feed, but I haven't added anything to it for a while. But when I had a blog, I was doing it. Um, now you 
you have a SFF audio feed, mm-hmm. um, and it's available on right on our main page. You can subscribe. Well, yeah, it's it's, it's actually under my <coughs> name. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's certainly um, it's certainly good, and I've added um, all sorts of things I've found, you know, that are not on Huff Duffer. But mm-hmm. every once in a while, I'll see um, something that somebody else's, you know, that there's pod, there's RSS feeds for, diff, you know, whatever Huff Duffing people are out there. You can add their RSS feed well, in maybe, and see yeah. what they're, they're doing. And so I'll see something, you know, in the what's popular section or the just the science fiction. You For any tag you create, you can make an RSS feed for that thing. So you could be up to date anytime anybody puts um, something Neil Gaiman, right? Yeah. And there are lots of Neil Gaiman uh, items out there on the internet, right? So right. every time someone adds one, you get to add, you know, you get an RSS feed notification that, hey, it's been huffed up. I could add that to my half duff. Well, cool. Maybe I'll um, add my feed onto the front page as well, and then we can just both have them. Because one of the things I'd add to it, I have listened to this last week, was uh, something from Radio Drama Revival. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Dream Seed production called Buried in Falling Sand. Um, if I if I back up a touch, the uh, um, Radio Drama Revival just had, um, what was their third anniversary, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, three-year anniversary special. So um, Fred Greenhalge over there, he uh, posted a list of the top six. It says five episodes you should listen to again, and he, mm-hmm. he ended up listed six of them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, one of them was, uh, I started to listen to those. The first one I heard was Buried in Falling Sand, which is episode 16 of the Radio Drama Revival podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's very uh, Philip K. Dickian, I would say. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's an original story um, by someone at Dream Seed. I, I didn't catch who. Um, but it's about uh, uh, a guy who takes this drug that the masses are starting to be fed, which helps them forget sections of their day. So that <laughs> if, you, if you hate your job, you just take this drug and go to work, and then when you come back, it's like you just left and came back. So, yeah, you were at work for eight hours, but you didn't experience it. So, um, therefore, you know, every day is almost like a vacation day. You don't really have to go Yeah, to that is very Philip K. Dick. Yeah. So, um, anyway, and then a lot of the implications that are involved with that are explored. And um, it's a kind of a 25-minute audio drama. Anyway, yeah, that sounds good. I thought it was very well done. But I'd put that um, in that a lot of the razors also on that list, and I think did you do a yeah, review of that? I'm or pretty did sure I? I did. Yeah, I know that's I a heard Joel Lansdale story turned into a uh, uh, audio drama, and it's yeah. it's pretty impressive. Also on that list is the Salmon of Blackpool. Yeah, and the Salmon we, of Blackpool. Yeah, Crazy Dog Audio. That's really great. Um, it's completely crazy, and it's mm-hmm. uh, totally compelling. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. He's uh, the the um, Crazy Dog is just uh, you know yeah the everything Crazy Dog is done top shelf yeah. of audio drama out there it's and then the, the next one is hayward sanitarium another one i have not yet heard and is on my ipod waiting to be heard and then the last one is medusa on the beach um which is also there waiting um first on the list is dialogue with martian trombone which hmm. i i uh i didn't super dig because um i'm not a music guy mm-hmm. um it says uh if you're a lover of jazz music this absurd martian tale showcases uh uh, some stuff you'll want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've heard that one either. Um, 
but I think I will. Not you know, I'm not a big jazz aficionado. I, I don't really know jazz all that much, so uh, check it out anyway. Now those guys the, the dialogue with Martin Trombone. I think they're involved with the awards that they give every year for uh, yeah. the Mark Time Awards. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Great Northern. One yeah, of these I'm years sure. we should get to that convention. I, yeah, I, I'm just, <laughs> no, I, I'm just so not into crossing the border. It's, oh. every, everything I read, it makes me insane. Just, you, you know, not just, not just your side. It's also our side. It's just, you know, <laughs> harassing people at the border for no reason and searching their, their devices for contraband material. It's insane. Really? It's insane. Mm. Wow. I there. did not know that. Yeah, you did. Well, I didn't know about the devices, looking at devices. Oh, yeah. I knew about okay. harassment, but I've never heard anyone say yeah, that. They... You, you, know, you go to the border and they say, um, oh, there's your laptop. What's the password? Really? Wow. <laughs> and they won't tell you what they're, they're looking for, right? They're just So you don't know what's contraband and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, you're, if, you're, if you work in the, you know, with confidential material, you're not allowed to share things like your password, right? That's right. It, it breaks your contract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what can you do? All you can do is not take it. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous. So, right, right. Whatever. Hmm. Interesting. So, so uh, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll bring it on up here. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. The world's coming to Vancouver. Right. right. I think that's the slogan mm-hmm. for the Olympics, right? Right. The world's coming to Vancouver. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's, cool That's awesome. Now, uh, you, you know, uh, William Ten died in the yes. last... Yes, yes, uh, yeah. I saw your post on that. Yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot of people have been posting about him, him and uh, his writing, including um, Frederick Pohl has a, a little brief bit on him as well. And he says, um, he says in, in, at the... First Worldcon at the Philadelphia Worldcon in 1947 after World War II. All the um, guys who hadn't seen each other since before the war. That mm-hmm. was the first big conference, I guess. Um, uh, they were all, he, he says, um, uh, mostly we're talking along the lines of, hey, how you been? How, uh, where'd you serve? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, because World War II was recently over and, and, quote, we generally hadn't seen each other for years. But when the kind of talk was over, when that kind of talk was over, there was a different kind of question that came up pretty often. It was, "Have you read Child's Play?" Which is a uh, William Tenn story. Uh, that was the name of a creepy, crawly, and unputdownable story that had just appeared in Astounding, assigned by an unfamiliar byline of William Tenn. It was about a man who had somehow been given a children's toy Build-A-Man set from the future and decided to see how it worked disastrously, and. Uh, written darkly in a sardonic style that combined real horror and laugh-out-loud comedy. And uh, and then he talks about how William Tenn, uh, you know, writ- wrote under a pseudonym, and he was fresh out of the army. And um, It's a great story. Uh, it's also available as a audio drama, one of the posts I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been actually done as two audio dramas using the exact same script, one for X-1 and one for Dimension X. Oh, neat. Uh, but uh, it's it, it feels very much like a Philip K. Dick story done for humor, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's also uh, this would fit in with what you did recently with your your uh, library class. Um, it's a time travel story. Mm. So cool. You might bring that one up. Yeah, yeah. 
So how's that? How did that go? You said you've got. Oh, a that one. That one really well. That was one of the best ones yet. I thought. Um, yeah, with the middle school kids, I um, just talked about time travel stories and brought several examples on, you know, little audio snippets, uh, audio drama snippets. I played them a little bit of a Sound of Thunder. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, you know, which was a little extra cool because the local connection. You know, they made it down the road piece. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was neat. It, it went really well. I enjoyed that. Um, and you've got a bunch of podcasting equipment. Yeah, we got a grant for some podcast equipment, and uh, just came in on Friday. So we'll be putting that together. I meet them every two weeks, so we're going to put it together a week from Monday, and then um, hopefully within a few weeks after that, we'll interview somebody and edit it and put it online. You can interview me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You I'm bet. Uh, but yeah, well, the, uh, if if we get a something on topic, you know, mm-hmm. something on the science fiction topic, we can certainly uh, put a link to it. And yeah, and I'm I'm amazed at how much um, YA right now is uh, fantasy. There's not a lot of science fiction, but you know, just the fact that you know, th- there's they're not reading a whole lot of anything else other than um, there's a lot of really excellent fantasy books in the YA department. Oh, coming no out like, coming out like crazy. So, so you know, I, I've been uh, listening to um, to a few audiobooks, of course. Mm-hmm. I just did a review of uh, Killing Floor, which I talked about previously. Yeah, on podcast, not that long ago, um, and uh, I, I thought it was pretty good, pretty good. But it suffers from what a lot of books suffer from. It's basically it's just too long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you cut out maybe a, a, a third of it, it would have been a far superior book. And if you cut out half of it, you know, just reduce, not not the number of scenes, but just the, well, maybe the number of scenes for the story. It's just too long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other complaints I had were, you know, it's it's sort of too generic. Uh, the title's too generic, the cover's too generic, so it just doesn't stick in my mind as to what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the story now that I've written it down, but if if I hadn't have done that, I don't think it would it would uh, stick in my mind very well. Um, but that's not the only thing I finished. I finished uh, the Unincorporated Man. Oh yeah, uh, I mm-hmm. finished the review on that. I'd actually been saving the end of that one, hoping uh, you know to get, give it some time to really sink in. And it actually it ended up not being as awesome as as I I had hoped, um, and I think for the exact same reason. Um, it's just too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the material that it's talking about, it, it had some, uh, it, it's a, I, I think I talked about this before on the podcast, but basically it's it's a, the premise is, imagine a future that's exactly like all the futures we've ever imagined, you know, flying cars and, uh, you know, nano machines and everything, you know, life extension, all that stuff, but mm-hmm. with the added uh, twist that everyone is a corporation. And when you're born, you're given a certain number of uh, shares, um, and those shares are divvied up among amongst the government, your parents, and you. Your parents get 10% each. You get uh, nothing until you get the age of majority. Um, the government gets 5% and will never give it back. That's taxes, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest is held in trust for you until you reach the age of majority, after which... Uh, you need to start selling those stocks in order to get an education. You want a good education, you have to sell the stocks, right? 
mm-hmm. and those stocks are sold to other people uh, who own those shares so that they get a per- part of your percentage of income every year. Mm-hmm. Right? So imagine you earned $100,000 in a year. Um, somebody has uh, 5,000 shares in your stock, they get 5% of that $100,000. Right? Right, right. And then the next year you only make 50000 they get half of that. Right. Right. Um, but if there's somebody who, you know, goes into a good career, this is a good way to invest, you know, you invest in people early because you think they have potential. It, it all kind of makes sense. And it, 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 it's, it's a sort of a workaround of the, um, uh, the, uh, you don't want the nanny state. Well, this is the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. This is the, uh, corporate state. And so nobody goes, nobody starves to death, but nobody has freedom unless they have earned it, right? They've, mm-hmm. They own more than 50% of themselves. And that's such an original idea for a, for a novel that it's it, worth reading. But it just, mm-hmm. it fails on a couple of levels in that it's, it's too long and sort of, the writing's not, you know, super, super compelling. It's good writing. It's just not super awesome writing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got sort of a tangent on talking about VR, how, you know, there's a, a trap there. That if you have ultra great VR, then why would you ever go to work? You know, why would you ever go out and have a family if you can have a VR family that's a thousand times better than your regular family? Yeah. And I, I think that that's a, you know certainly worth exploring, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the uh, the main thrust of the novel. That you know there is a man who is unincorporated, and what does that mean for a society where everyone is incorporated? Mm-hmm. So those are the the two yeah, big reviews I've read. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth listening to and at least uh, thinking about. Um, and then uh, I've been I've been working on a review of uh, a book I haven't finished yet, but I'm hoping to get through soon. Mm-hmm. Worst novel I've read since <laughs> Star Tide Rising. Since Star Tide Rising. Since Star Tide Rising. I remember right. that review. Yes. <laughs> um, not a fan of the Star Tide Rising. Not a fan of Star Tide Rising. That's right. That's right. Not because it doesn't have good ideas, but because it's just so annoyingly written. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah, I really hated that book. Um, and uh, this this book is by Catherine Asaro, and mm-hmm. it it may have been you know I didn't do enough research before I started reading. I, I I don't like to read bad books. You know, I, I like to read good books. Mm-hmm. And I had this in my collection here of things to to listen to and. And I thought, oh, it's only this number of CDs long. That's good. I'll, I'll do this one. And I, I don't know why I picked it now that mm-hmm. I'm, I, I started reading. I'm going to finish it because I'm going to finish the review and let everyone know how bad it is. Really bad. I'm pretty close to the end, and I'm just hating every second of it. Um, but uh, you pointed out to me when I was telling you this earlier that mm-hmm. um, we, we have uh, – another review of another one of her books on the website yeah. and it's exactly the same sort of uh re- it's going to be exactly the same sort of review as mine i i've mm-hmm. i'm mostly written mine but i haven't finished it because i've finished the book yeah. um and i'm just going to bring that up it's um kurt wrote that wasn't it yeah uh-huh, sure did get him on the podcast to have a yeah we a ought to we ought to Catherine asaro because mm-hmm. uh his uh, review is excellent. This is his review of The Quantum Rose by Catherine Nassaro. I've always been a big math fan, and I like the chumminess of commuting, associating, and distributing, the edgy- uh, and distributing the edginess of integrating by parts, and the sharp antiseptic sting of differential exp- 
exponentials. In the Quantum Rose, Catherine Asaro brings the robust methodology of a table of cosines to the romantic space opera. Like a seasoned mathematics professor, which she is, by the way, she begins by defining the variables. A fantastically beautiful heroine, her strong, handsome, but brutish betrothed, and the mysterious stranger who takes a sudden interest in the heroine. She then lays out the equations for us. Fear, mutual need, and strange loyalty between her and her betrothed. Fear, mistrust, sexual attraction, and the hidden wound that must be healed between her and the stranger. From there, she manipulates the terms using standard algebraic operations such as nudity, well-meaning, ignorance, revenge, treachery, self-sacrifice for the greater good, declarations of undying love, and first-time sex so amazing it humbles those of us with decades of experience. Asaro's story-solving skills are honed to such an atom-splitting edge that the only halfway through the book she derives the main quantity of interest, true love. Not satisfied with so straightforward a proof, however, she dashes diligently on the leading edge on to lead us through a desperate, if leisurely, and admirably bloodless rescue of an exiled royal family from halfway across the galaxy. It's all quite rigorous. Never does Asaro skip a step. In fact, in her elucidation of the reader, she will often review a step several times to ensure we've understood each point before moving on to the next. She also provides enlightening chapter headings, which contain both a plain English title and a subtitle composed from quasi-quantum mechanical terms. For those hopelessly muddled by such clever cryptology, I'll provide a clue. Substitute the word person for particle in these subtitles, and you'll crack the code for over half of them. Thus we have duly appraised of all the developments. Thus we are duly appraised of all the developments well before they occur in the, neck, in the text. As a final touch, Asaro has defined most of the significant variables to be empaths or telepaths, which means we are never in doubt of what anyone in the story is thinking or feeling, unless some misunderstanding is required by the plot. <laughs> Anna Fields adds to the proceedings by reading the text out loud for us. As an intriguing counterpoint to Asaro's linear clarity, Fields adds a note of mystery by using female character voices that are quite similar to one another, and by occasionally using the voice of one lead male to deliver the dialogue spoken by another. The drunken mutter she maintains for most of the prominent male throughout the entire length of the book also tends to soften the hard edges of understanding that sometimes seem too prominent for comfort. Just <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more, but... I love it. <laughs> it's so... He, he's, so he's got such a dry wit. we got to get um, Kurt doing more reviews. Yeah, yeah. That, that was awesome. I mean, he's probably really depressed after reading it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh, like boy. I am. It, 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 it literally does make me depressed. Like... Mm -hmm. This is what you're thinking. I can't believe this. And, it's like, and you know, the thing is, is some novels, like, you know, you start reading and you, you, have, you find your mind wandering. Mm -hmm. her, her novel is so plain spoken and so simple that you can't. You hmm. can't lose track of what's going on. And that's a curse mm -hmm. because it's so annoying. <laughs> I, 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 you know, um, oh, you, you'll have to read my review, but... Um, I'm not a fan of Catherine Massaro. <laughs> Eager to read it. Eager to read it. This is the, this is the first book I've read by her, but I, mm -hmm. based on that and the review by Kurt's um, review of the Quantum Rose, I, I think I think uh, I'm going to shy away from her books in future. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yep. 
So did you get a chance to watch uh, any Da Vinci's Inquest? I've got it. I've only watched about the first 20 minutes so far. Um, awesome. No, uh, no, I'm, I'm liking it just fine. It is a time issue. So, okay. Yep, but I will. But I will because I you know, can't watch that with the kids and stuff. Is that correct? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't. Uh, you told you, me. You might say so. I would say it doesn't matter. They won't. They won't care. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, that's, a, that's a debate. Is I'll there swearing in it? Yes. Is there nudity in it? I don't think so. Is there mm-hmm. violence in it? Not much. Mm-hmm. So does that help? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it okay. does. That sounds fine then. Yeah. It just I, I, there's swearing, but there's not very much. I mean, <clears> it's it's you know. Yeah. Yesterday. Um, with my daughter as well. I mentioned her earlier, but um, my, I have a pick of the week. Oh, good. Um, my pick of the week is Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah, and I've, I've, of course I've seen it in the past, but I think I saw it through completely new eyes this time. Um, it's been a long, long time since I've seen it, and I, I knew I really liked it. But I think I liked it on a whole different level this time. How so? Um, because it really is... Um, a thoughtful movie. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's not just a, a regular comedy. You know, it's a comedy about a guy who lives the same day over and over and over. But mm-hmm. but in the movie, the exploration of everything, all the implications of that day happening over and over. You know, from him feeling like a god at one point to being mm-hmm. extremely depressed and in hell at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fascinating. And, it's an amazing uh, movie, actually, and I think yeah. it's a classic. It, mm-hmm. In the way, in the same way that I think uh, uh, the invention of lying is going to be a classic. Yeah, and that, that's kind of why I mention it because it's the same uh, type of movie. Meaning, you know, it's a very thoughtful movie that you can take as just a comedy, or you can think about what it's saying. Yeah. And, uh, uh, anyway. I don't. I, I don't. I think if you're just taking it as a comedy, uh, you're missing more than more than half the the enjoyment of yeah. that movie. I think it are. is yeah. it is a uh it is a philosophical movie. It mm-hmm. talks about, you know, how to live and what the you know, what the meaning of existence is. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So I was very impressed on this rewatch. You know, I don't know how many times I've seen it over the years, but uh for some reason on this watching I think it affected me more. Well, you're probably getting more sentimental as you get older. Too. Maybe so, maybe so. I think that's true because I, I work with a lot of teenagers and uh, they tend to be not very sentimental at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that um, that I'm I'm more sentimental than I was. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I in the sense that I have sentiment, I have fellow feeling more than I did. I would say. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That makes sense. It does. Yes, it does. So, what's your pick of the week? Okay, well, um, hmm, how about The Valley of Fear by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? This is, um, I posted about it earlier this week, and it's, uh, it's a uh, Sherlock Holmes novel that is um, a strange one, in that it's uh, mostly set in the United States and mostly told in past tense um, to Sherlock Holmes, who then gives his uh, summation of, you know, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, um, I, I actually did a review of it for our old, or my old, Arl Noir website, which was a separate website from SFF Audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've lost that review, but it's no great loss because the, the free version that I did the review of no longer exists on the internet. It's been deleted. Um, not because it's out of, you know, it's, it's violating any copyrights, just because the, the host who 
who put it up lost his website, I guess. So mm-hmm. um, it's long gone. But uh, there's a new version up on Livervox, and it's read by Katie Riley, which she's she's not the greatest narrator ever, but it's it's a single narration by uh, one author, and it's it's competently read. So that's good enough. And there's lots of there's lots of other versions available from Blackstone, probably recorded books and mm-hmm. a few other publishers, uh, including uh, Tantor, no doubt. Um, uh, but it's a really good story, and it was one of the ones that's um, it was a surprise uh, story in the Hard Case Crime series mm-hmm. because um, Hard Case Crime is uh, you know noir, hardcore, um, uh, hard-boiled crime stories, right? And you don't think of Sherlock Holmes as that. It's not quite Agatha Christie sort of cozy mysteries. But this one is probably the closest Sherlock Holmes comes to having a hard-boiled, uh, you know, noir feel. Um, it starts off with uh, a man whose head's been shotgunned off, shotgun, um, and he's been branded with a uh, uh, a strange symbol on his arm, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and it leads back to uh, something in the United States. This is like many of the Sherlock Holmes stories are actually based on, you know, real events. You know how Law and Order sort of rips off. Headlines ripped from the headlines makes a story out of it. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh huh. Well, Arthur Conan Doyle was doing that back in the 19th century as well. This is based on a um, an incident in the United States uh, with um, Irish coal miners who uh, formed a secret society uh, called the Molly Maguires, mm-hmm. uh, which were um, designed to try and uh, you know make workers' rights uh, to the fore, but it turned into sort of a domestic terrorism. Um, is what we would probably think of it as now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, here's the the um, uh, the little quote I put in there for it. It's Doyle's final novel featuring beloved sleuth Sherlock Holmes brings the detective and his friend to a country manor where they are preceded by either a murder or a suicide. A secretive organization lies culprit and the infiltration of it is in order. And so um, we get a whole lot of backstory and, and Sherlock Holmes is not in it. Most of the part, most of that backstory, but um, uh, he comes in at the beginning and he comes in at the end in a framing sequence, mm-hmm. which was again, you know, very popular. You know, we're we're about to do this um, audiobook of uh, the Turn of the Screw, and that's got a framing story as well, right? Right, right. Um, it's got, you know, I'm going to tell you a story, and there's a bunch of people sitting at a dinner table, and then they're going to they tell the story, and then at the end we get it at the end, and that that happens in many uh, 19th century novels, very common convention. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is, is still feels very modern, and yet it still has. Um, it's basically uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's way of telling a uh, mystery story that isn't Sherlock Holmes, but still keep you know fulfilling his contract of making another Sherlock Holmes story. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you like if you like Arthur Conan Doyle, um, and you don't necessarily like Sherlock Holmes, you'll like this. But cool. if you like Sherlock Holmes, you'll like it as well. Great. Did you see that uh, John Joseph Adams' The Improbable Adventures of Sherlock Holmes is on audio? Or I, I heard that it, it's out. Um, yeah. I've seen it on Audible, yeah, but I haven't, haven't got a copy. Yeah, we haven't received a copy, but I hope to from Brilliance. Brilliance is the one who Better. published it. So We've got to do a review of that. I want to <laughs> so, yeah, I'm happy that they did that. I wish uh, they'd go back and do The Living Dead and uh, Wastelands. That'd be great. I, no, I, I don't. Think, I don't think that every single story in the collection is in the audio, but um, we'll verify oh. that when the audio comes in. I don't think so. It seems to me that I looked at, I uh, compared them, and they weren't both the same. 
So, okay. But anyway, yeah, we'll verify that when it comes in. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. <laughs>